Let's talk about decks, baby. Let's talk about strategy. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast celebrating the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike in a post-ban world. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. So we're celebrating now, like like Chi Chi's a celebration of food. That's exactly right. I wasn't expecting it to be quite a celebration, but you know why it's a celebration, guys? Guess whose birthday it is this week? This episode comes out oh, on yeah, Stanislav's. Stanislav's birthday. Am I right? Bepso might come out early, given the subject matter. Friday is my birthday. I turn 32. Now, oh, man. What a, what a youth. Now, what did you get for your birthday? Because I can think of two things you got. One is Aspiring Spike is here on the episode with us, Everett Mohan. Did I say that right? Oh, my God. Please tell me I said it right. I won't tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave you guessing. <laughs> Happy birthday, Stan. Thanks, guys. I'm sorry your gift is so crappy. It's just me being on your podcast. Honestly, it's it's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Everett's carrying a big box full of bands for everybody today. Yep. <laughs> sorry they're a little late. The weather outside is frightful, but the podcast is so delightful. That's right. We have the Godfather Dave and the aspiring Spike Everett. Hey, everybody. So glad to get you on. With we knew some bands were coming. I didn't think we knew quite this many. Yeah, this is a pretty big sea change. So I'm, I was so glad to be able to get your insider, inside baseball opinion and, and thoughts on this. I have I have many thoughts, and just let me know how you want me to organize them for you. <laughs> we're gonna lead you through it. Stan's gonna take us through it. It's a little light outline. We like to call the breakdown, the dive down, and the wind down like you can expect every week. That's right. That's right. On this week's episode, we rejoice at a band that's been practically a year in the making. Uro is finally gone in all the formats that we care about. But what's this? There's more? I'm getting reports that there's been a whole slew of cards banned across formats. Simeon Spirit Guide, Tybalt's Trickery, Changes to Cascade. Oh my. I think this means we have to do a BNR recap for the breakdown. Then we're going to spend the dive down figuring out what magic is going to look like when all the dust settles. But first, let's kick off the show with the actual best part of every episode. It's housekeeping. We've got uh, Zach K, a different Zach K than the original fourth host, Zach. Uh, Welcome to the Dive Down Nation, Zach. We appreciate you joining um, no new reviews this week. If you do have good things to say about us or constructive things to say about us, head on over to Apple podcasts. I think that's still the only place you can really review us. Unfortunately, if you don't use Apple podcasts, just make an account, find us there and then review us. It's worth your time because we shout you out. If you want to join the Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash the dive down. Um, that's where you can sign up to help keep us going, help support us, help us, you know, afford the things that we do with the podcast, primarily pay our editor, also create some swag and, uh, you know, pay for the various subscriptions we have to use for this thing. But the benefit to you are plentiful. You can join the super secret Slack server for just the dollar a week tier going on up from there gets you other cool benefits. One of the main ones that we haven't mentioned for a while $5 up 
you get early access to the episode, which typically happens as early as uh, Wednesday, I think is, is usual. A couple days early. It's one of the cool benefits you can get at the $5 tier. Going up from there is things like the the awesome uh, Citizen of the Nation playmat that Dave designed, uh, working on custom episodes with us. But that's enough on that because we had a lot to talk about this week. But patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also support us while playing Magic through a couple of ways uh my favorite is mana traders it's the rental service for magic online if you use coupon code the dive down all one word you'll get 15 percent off your first three months of using mana traders and now's a great time to sign up because modern and other formats that are on magic online are a bruin also if you play magic arena you can download the free companion software called untapped over at untapped dot the dive down.com every time you download that software we get a little kickback if you find it over at untapped dot the dive down.com but that's all out of the way let's jump right in it's ban time we've been waiting for this basically all week but secretly for like a year basically since what the companion errata was was the last ban that we cared about well was the companion errata after the astrolabe ban or before? I think astrolabe got banned after, but it's all kind of a blur. It really is. Everett, here's a question I have for you. When did you first realize that Oko needed to go? Oko or Uro? Oh, sorry. Uro. My bad. Oko, we all, we all, <laughs> that was old news. Yeah, Uro, I well, meant. Sorry. I, I, I waffled on it for a long time, and uh, there, was, there was a long period of time where I didn't think that Oko needed to go. Or sorry. You got, you got me saying yeah, it. Totally. Uro, yeah, totally. I mean, I, honestly, it is kind of hard to talk about Uro without talking about Oko. If you spend enough time, the two will come up together. But uh, there was a long time I thought Uro was fine. There were definitely a lot of cards that beat it, like Narset and Boil, Relic of Progenitus. You know, anybody could play Graveyard Hate that lined up well against the card. But the more, the more I played with it, the more I played against it. The reality was, like, the biggest issue with Uro is that the cards that don't beat Uro usually don't beat the rest of the cards in the Uro decks. They don't usually beat Field of the Dead. They don't usually beat Omnath or Teferi, Jason the Mind Sculptor, Cryptic Command. That, that was just always the biggest problem for me is that if you wanted to sideboard all these cards against against Uro, they'd often be trading zero for one where the, your the opponent's Uro would still draw a card. And then you'd be losing card advantage and mana advantage against a deck that's just trying to grind you into dust uh, you know, by outvaluing you uh, in card quality and card quantity. So I've, I've been in favor of an Uro band for like probably three or four months now, maybe not as long as everybody else. I, I wasn't in necessarily in favor of making any other changes to the format. I was kind of interested in just banning Uro and seeing what the Mystic Sanctuary Field of the Dead decks looked like at the, at the time. But I, I don't I don't mind just getting ahead and going ahead and banning both Field of the Dead and Mystic Sanctuary. I think it actually makes a lot of sense. I think that both of those cards are probably going to leave the format at some point, anyways. And I also think it makes a lot of sense if you're going to nerf the blue decks this hard. If you're going to ban Uro, if you're going to ban Sanctuary, if you're going to ban Field, that the monkey also has to go. Right. That 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 was that the blue decks were the only things holding back Oopsol spells and Belcher and you know Neoform Tibble's trickery. Totally. All right. Man, you 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 gave this guy a window, <laughs> and he threw a bunch of chairs through. Totally it. true. And you know what? I love it. 
let's dial it let's dial it back and take it through piece by piece because it is hard to not have a connected discussion about all these things yeah. yeah but for people who only get their magic news from us and i know that there are literally hundreds of thousands of listeners right. who, yes. who only get their magic news from us shane you have a good did write we, up did here we not, did we not list all the cards banned we, yet we didn't list them yet <laughs> No, I mean, okay. This is this is this is a this is this is me starting the breakdown. Okay, this is this is the this is the smooth transition into the breakdown. Ever ever open the door and I'm walking through it. So February fifteenth, two thousand twenty-one, a day that will live in infamy because man, a lot of stuff got banned. And I think what makes sense for us in the breakdown here, take some time going through the different format bannings. Uh, we'll go briefly over Watsi's justifications for doing so in the announcement, and then kind of talk about how we think this will affect the formats sort of on the whole. Uh, you know, what's what's our take on each format? So talk about the cards, then talk about the format impact altogether. One of the things I want to talk about before we actually get into the format bands themselves is the very first paragraph in this article, because I thought it was pretty interesting and slightly revealing and potentially uh i don't know what's the proper term it's something to have a take about so what they say is that because of pandemic conditions resulting in fewer high level tabletop tournaments they correspondingly slowed the pace of banned and restricted list changes in non-rotating formats but recent community quote recent community discussion has made it clear unquote that people wanted shakeups then they go on to say that they looked closely at all of these formats and responded to both play data and community feedback which is kind of their new mo in these announcements is hey we're hearing your feedback and we're making changes based on that as well and so my initial take on this and why i wanted to talk about it is this sounds really reactive to me. Like Watsi is writing in a way to me that indicates that they think things are pretty fine, but that the like community rabble rousers and the community voice has forced them to act in some way. So then they're taking the look at these formats and saying, okay, we can make some, some tweaks in that fashion. And I feel like Watsi should be taking a more active role in monitoring these formats because like, We've had announcement after announcement in the past year or so come across with this kind of tone, which is like, we thought everything was fine, but you all are making a lot of noise and fine, we'll do something about it. And I think it's it's strange that they would say like, you know, either they're being very hands off or ignoring them uh, or that they just don't really think that it's worth taking any action. And I'm curious what you all think and feel about this sort of tone that they're setting in the outset of this article. Like maybe I'm alone here, which is fine. Well, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Shane. And I, I kind of feel like you're echoing a pretty common sentiment that, that wizards is disconnected from the non-rotating format specifically. And they're not super involved and they, they have had this hands-off approach. And I, I don't really completely agree. I, I, I think there is some truth in what you're saying, but I, I do think that Wizards monitors the non-rotating formats, uh, and I do think they understand, typically, what community sentiment is. But what I, what I think we're seeing here is not them starting to watch for the first time. I think what we're seeing is a philosophy shift in their band, philo- in their band philosophy, where 
they had just been banning things based on win percentages and and, and that's about it and non-rotating yeah, cold hard data. for a long time and and that's largely because of you know the twitter mob and reactionary people and uh you know you know they have thousands and thousands of people telling them different things about the format different opinions and it's really hard to sift through all that data so they should just go by their like magic online numbers that being said um I like that they have shifted, and my my own personal philosophy on banning cards and formats is shifting too, where I think if gameplay is suffering, even if one deck is not winning so much that it needs to be banned, changes should happen, because at the end of the day, this is a card game, and your card game needs to be fun in order for people to keep playing it. And I, when I look at specifically the modern ban list, can we talk about that yet, or... We uh, did we did we, did we... yeah because this is going so, yeah 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 so when you talk I mean, about... unless unless Stan or Dave you have any kind of takes about kind of like the tone that Watsy is setting here Dave what do you think of Shane's interpretation I mean I think it's kind of like I, I I wish that they had said something about the card philosophy re- of recent years causing some of these bands or like the fact that these, these cards are the ones that are getting banned are mostly new ones. I wish that they had said a little bit about that. Their tone about like um, in reaction to chatter in the community is like, I don't know what else they're supposed to react to. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 I'm sure they're watching data on, on magic online. I think the biggest number that they're looking at is attendance. Honestly, I think that the drop off in the modern league and also the, the problem that modern had firing events so quickly in the last couple of weeks, I think was just a huge red flag to them. And, you know, people have been tired of Euro for a long time. And so the headline card being banned across all those formats, I think was probably just something they knew they were gonna have to do eventually. You know, it's been out for over a year it's time to just rip the bandaid off and, you know, have everybody torch 50 bucks per euro and kind of move on from there. You know, I don't know. What do you think, Stan? The the only thing I would nitpick over is I, I feel like you're making this assumption that their inaction means everything is fine. And I'm not sure that's actually in the language that they thought the formats were healthy. I think what they're saying is that's fair. We didn't think people were playing as much magic because of a pandemic and it's primarily online players which is kind of a niche audience in the first place yeah but i think there's an interesting recognition in what you're saying here too which is like a they need to realize that online magic is a huge part of they know it you know revenue wise it's a huge part of their their revenue they also um they need to recognize that that that's just what's going to be going on for a while still i mean we're probably you know maybe 2022 still before we have any big paper tournaments honestly and um, I think that's they they might be recognizing that a little bit too. Like online magic is the magic that exists right now, realistically, especially when it comes to any kind of competitive sense. Yeah, you know, tournament magic. Yeah. yeah, competitive magic. All right, so let's get into those modern bands that we have been hinting about and talking about a little bit. So again, let's let's move through these bannings one by one. Uh, provide Watsi's justification, maybe a quick little take on that, but then we'll kind of wrap up at the end after we get through all of them. So starting with. The biggest banger, perhaps, but also the one we've known the longest about because of the secret lair announcement, uh, sort of spoiling it, and that's Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. Um, Basically, they said that it's a dominant fixture across many of the top modern decks, 
and operates at a power level that makes it difficult for the other mid-range and control strategies to compete. That's certainly something that we've been acknowledging and saying here on the podcast. Not a novel opinion, but one that we do have. Uh, it's just too good at what it does. Uh, it requires mid-range and control decks pretty much to be base blue-green because of the sheer value it offers early and late in the game. And what they hope will happen is that this opens space for a greater variety of mid-range and other slower decks to coexist, which I would say is likely true. Like you don't have to, or you can't in this case, like base your strategies around something like Uro, and you can explore other color combinations. Like I've, I've heard red, black, green has been okay for mid-range at some point in the past. So maybe try that. Now I accidentally made Everett spill his take on Uro a little bit early here. Um, but does anybody have a different a different take on it? You know, just as a refresher, a few minutes ago, Everett was said basically the decks, the cards that beat Uro don't really beat the other cards in the Uro decks. And so it leads to this really difficult way for people to attack the, the metagame when it's dominated by Uro. And of course, we all acknowledge there's no reason to, there are a few reasons to not play the card. Right. And so in any of these kind of control or mid-range strategies, you're able to pivot between those two strategies pretty easily. And it is what it is. It just ended up being such a force of gravity. I loved how you framed that initial question to Everett, which was, when did you first realize that Uro had to go? And I'd love to hear you both answer that too. Shane, you were early on the Uro's got to go track. Am I right? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've always been of the opinion that like Uro is a weird card because like it doesn't do anything particularly egregious in and of itself. It's just like all of the bits of it add up to something that does too much. Um, and, and so like it's, it's one of those cards where it's like, you can be like whatever it was saying, which is, I think that I can see a world in which Uro is okay. But then as it goes on and on, and on, then you realize, okay, this this is adding up to too much of a good thing. And it's also requiring, it makes too many desk, decks sort of coalesce around its unique power level and its u- sort of unique abilities that it has. And I think that's kind of where we get to the the bad parts of Uro. And so it's like, it's I've always been weirdly on the fence about it, which is like, yeah, it's... What's it doing that's so bad besides everything? And and I will say for Uro to be the best card in the format, I really don't feel like it led for a bad format. You know, it it, it needed to go. It, it's been around for too long and we're sick of it. But I think when Uro was king, the format was not too bad for, you know, for me saying this, these are the words I'd say at Uro's funeral. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it wasn't it, the format wasn't too bad. Now, Uro, you weren't as bad as Hogak. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as Hogak, wasn't as bad as Eldrazi, wasn't as nearly as bad as these last two weeks of Valkyrie and yeah. Not even close. Yeah. And I, I think that that's worth acknowledging. Uro, you could have been worse. Yeah, you could have been I worse. Mean, it is a weird thing, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about a card that's now been banned in every format, except for Legacy and Vintage. Um, it might still get banned in Legacy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird because it is a fair card you know odin's member of the nation in the chat just said uro is 150 percent fair and like that's kind of the what it is right like it's the most fair card of all the fair cards and so it had to go because it was too much card 
I don't know. The, the fact that you just... The fact that one copy of Uro gets cast, yeah. and then yep. you just get to keep casting it over and over again yeah. the whole game. And it, it, I don't know. It speeds up your resource engine by putting mana on the battlefield. It draws you a card. I don't. I, I think I would need to be convinced why it's fair. Yeah, yeah. That's one. Of, that's one of the issues. Is like it. It also stops every creature or trades with every creature besides like a super pumped up Death Shadow. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things where we've talked about it a couple of times where it does like cards like this do so many individual things that are small that they and they're they're fair things that they do taken on their own but when you put them together on one thing then it becomes definitionally probably unfair right but anyway we we should do a whole app sometime in the future of uro good uro yeah uro gone. yeah uro good uro gone and good riddance honestly i mean i i own three of them i never got to play that i bought them after the pandemic started <laughs> i never got to play them uh they're gonna go on my wall of shame with uh, once upon a time and a few other things you know yeah at least you didn't have them banned in route from russia like i've had with a few was cards. that once upon a time for you or that what, was what? once upon a time yeah. i believe yeah okay wait i'm not done I, okay you're not done. we need to talk about Uro some more it's been around for so long we can't just pretend it, it wasn't a thing so i had the same feeling that Everett kind of alluded to earlier where for a long time i was on the fence of whether or not Uro had to go and we have a tiny bit of hindsight now and i wonder if maybe that was stockholm syndrome in the same way that right before astrolabe got banned there was plenty of people myself including saying you know maybe modern's not so bad even with astrolabe around and then that banning nerfed uro a bit and suddenly we were like you know just pack a path right or any amount of graveyard hate play a soul guide lantern you know and your uro is managed yeah i mean the card that you reminded me of when you were talking about right there is actually splinter twin which is like i mean i know that's like the third rail to bring up but i think people just kind of thought splinter twin was a given for modern forever and then when they banned it everybody was like whoa maybe this world without it can be better today has been a good reminder that there are no sacred cows in magic mm -hmm. the gathering you know and we're going to talk about a sacred monkey in a couple minutes um how about we do we want to move on from Uro here? Yeah, I think we can kind of probably we're going to loop back to it to other formats because it, it the weird the other weird thing about Uro is that it really did fulfill different roles in different formats depending on yeah on the power level of those formats. But all right, so like we knew about Uro mm -hmm. after that stuff got wild and in my opinion a little bit unexpected. I honestly expected that we were going to get just like a cascade rules change, which is a bit of a spoiler, and Uro. We got a lot more. Um, in multiple formats. So we also got Field of the Dead and Mystic Sanctuary. They got sort of bundled together uh, by Watsi as two land cards that we feel are decreasing diversity of gameplay patterns and create repetitive and non-interactive game states in the late game for relatively low deck building cost. And so in order to promote back and forth gameplay and interaction over win conditions, which I think is a very interesting sentence. They were removed. And I think these two land cards have been on most people's or many people's shortlist for like most annoying cards in the format for a while. I'm not too surprised to see them leave because they like they, they did do a lot for a little. Yes. So what's interesting about the news of the BNR is that it kind of affected literally everyone. And it's equal parts because of the games you're going to play against the field, as well as the games you're going to play yourself as someone who, in some likelihood, probably piloted a deck that used one of these cards, 
not not guaranteed but there's a lot of cards being banned so it affects a lot of players and mystic sanctuary is the one that really hits me because i don't know before mystic sanctuary cryptic command was not as good and i feel like a post mystic sanctuary world is going to be kind of a, a new identity for for control that i think at least one of my guest co-hosts will also have to reckon with you know i, I i've been kind of out on <laughs> on control decks for a while i've recognizing my own limitations as a player right now and i'm actually thrilled with all of this stuff because i think it makes my deck better but we'll talk about that later um i think you know we had a whole episode about why mystic sanctuary was probably too good right was like the summation we got to at the end of it where we talked about all the different ways that it that it added too much value for no cost problematic feel of the dead I mean, people just talk about that card constantly. And so we've all seen what it's done to a deck like Titan or any build of Titan. So um, the four color Uro Omnath decks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Spike, what do you think about these? I mean, these are cards that you played a lot. Yeah, I feel like you feel like you have a lot of takes on these, I'm guessing. I do. I do. Um, I think that Field of the Dead and Mystic Sanctuary could not exist one could not exist without the other in the format and um it's these these mid-range and control decks if you ban one their mana becomes so much better because they get to build around one and not the other like they, they the two the two cards were so good that it was worth having shaky mana to support both um although the, the mana did function partially because Uro lets you put extra lands into play um you you would still be able to make the mana base work without Uro and without one of these lands. And so you could go more in and play more Islands or Sanctuary. Or if you don't need to play all these Islands for Sanctuary, your Field of the Deads are going to be much stronger. And so I thought that it would be a mistake to ban one or the other. And so I'm glad that they're leaving at the same time. Um, and I I do think that they're right. They They... They reduce the diversity of gameplay patterns and they lead to repetitive and uninteractive games. And I will not miss them. I, I would, I was, uh, I was thinking that with Uro gone, we can see how bad these, these cards are. Cause I was thinking, I tend to have a a pretty conservative approach to banning things, but uh, good riddance, really. You're not going to miss. Sanctuary? Yeah. I mean, not, you not did so them. much work for demonstrating Sanctuary's power level in Miracles, Counterbalance. Yeah. yeah. Rest in, I, I'll miss Counterbalance. I don't know. I, I, I played with Mystic Sanctuary every single day uh, since Eldraine came out. And ultimately, I like when magic changes. I like when there's reasons to play different cards. I like, you know, I, I don't like having to play Sanctuary in all of my blue decks. And Sanctuary's too good and i'm glad that it's gone there you go hard tough to disagree with that the final take uh next up but actually it's fetch lands that are too good <laughs> yeah. i mean uro fields of dead and mystic sanctuary i don't think any of them would be on the ban list if fetch lands weren't legal but that's just a different that's a whole podcast we can probably <laughs> fit we can fit three minutes on that at the end we have a little oh, section at okay. the end for why does this keep happening there there might be more cards on the modern ban list that would be legal if fetch lands were not legal than there are fetch lands at this point i'm not 100 percent sure i'd have to count Ooh, that's a take i like it yeah okay so so what happened from this was okay the blue the blue decks got nerfed right and yeah. as everett was hinting earlier in or the blue decks were were being the good 
good police for a certain other type of deck. And so that deck also had to be hit. Shane? Yeah. Simeon Spirit Guide. The Mana Monkey. Finally gone. Watsi stated that they have had their eye on it for some time as an enabler that speeds up fast combo decks. And as the modern card pool has grown, too many early game winning combos have shown up and been powered uh, by the fast mana ability of Mana Monkey. They give examples of Oops All Spells, the Charbelcher decks, and now some of the Tybalt's Trickery builds. So basically, they just want to slow combo decks down. And Simeon Spirit Guide is a goner. A lot of us have suspected that Simeon Spirit Guide is kind of at just the right amount of annoying power. That's an, as, and especially as you know, there's enough low CMC spells and low CMC artifacts and things like that, where it's like, hey, if you can get this on the battlefield too quickly, the game kind of sucks. So let's get rid of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, so Stan and I had like a brainstorming call last night where we were just talking about what could happen on the ban list. And we, we originally had a bunch of stuff filed under what other cards do we wish had gotten banned. And I put Simeon Spirit Guide on that list last night, thinking that there was like an outside shot that they might take it out here because of the Tybalt decks, honestly. And I was pretty surprised that it actually happened. But I do think this is a card that like is in that class of cards that everybody just needs to watch, keep an eye on in modern and they finally went for it. I think it's, it's a, you know, it Lotus petal is a good card <laughs> and even one that only makes red mana is a good card. So I, I really, um, I wasn't too surprised to see it finally go because it does do a whole bunch of stuff. That's just super annoying in the format with non-interactive combo decks. And I don't like to play those decks. I don't like to play against those decks. And so I feel bad that to see it go for the people who like those, but um, I think it was time and they were getting too fast. Let's say not too consistent, but too fast. There were four decks that could kill you on turn one in modern at the, and all of them killed on turn one with, with the monkey, yeah. you know, that was the common, common who knew part. a three mana two, two could be so yeah. problematic. <laughs> so this is, this is, the, I've talked about this bucket of cards before that I feel like Simeon Spirit Guide is in and has now been banned, so it's out of it. But like this is the uh, Street Wraith, Mishra's Bauble, Manamorphose, Simeon Spirit Guide. Like there's this that layer of cards that are like the glue for a whole bunch of different decks that are actually kind of broken because yeah, like they're nonsense cards. Yeah, they're kind of nonsense cards, and and it's like a question. It's not really a question of when to me but they're very i feel like all of them are on a wall somewhere where it's like we need to watch manamorphose if manamorphose starts going too crazy that card's gonna get banned they're not gonna worry about it if it if if they decide to ban it and it was just simian spirit guides day i think i don't know what do, you, do ever do you think there's a list of cards like that still mm, i think most of them are on the or still i mean if faithful suiting mox opal are kind of the two that i think about uh, used to be ancient stirrings uh, on the list, and then you know they banned KCI instead. Astrolabe was on the list its whole time in the format. You know, yeah, they, they, there are some very efficient enablers. I think the best ones have been banned. Uh, besides Fetchlands, those are actually the best ones. And uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not joking. Fetchlands are the best enablers and the best mana fixers. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and I, I do think that we're going to have to have a conversation about a real conversation about Fetchlands and Modern at some point. But 
Uh, probably that's probably like five years down the line after the second set of triumphs gets printed. Yeah, I counted. I think that there are seven and a half cards on the modern ban list that would not be banned if it weren't for Fetchland. So when that number becomes more than ten, we can uh, talk about it. I think that conversation happened though when Pioneer was invented. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know if that's the entire reason why the format was made, but it could definitely be. Okay, we got to talk about this last one. This one's perhaps the craziest, or at least the most unexpected, at least for me, because this card was legal in modern for less than three weeks and legal in paper for even less time, and that is Tybalt's Trickery. I'm I'm pretty sure this is like the fastest ban of a modern card uh, besides the stuff that was banned out of the gate. Um, and so because modern has cascade cards, trickery was seen as, quote, uniquely problematic, uh, even though the win rate was not seen as problematic, of course. Um, Wizards loves talking about, hey, look, look, the win rate's not that bad. All these decks are bad. Why do you guys even play any of them? <laughs> um, modern was, quote, less fun to play, unquote, with trickery in it. They decided to remove it as the uh, ultimate goal, they said, was to shake up the metagame into a more fun spot, which is kind of the the baseline of the conversation I want to have in a minute after we talk about this cascade rule change. But man, they they banned that fast. They were like, we do not need Tibble's trickery cascade shenanigans in our format. And I guess that's fair. Yeah, I, this this is the start of a, uh, of a philosophy shift as far as bands go, where gameplay is just taking a big role in what is going to be allowed in the game and what's not going to be. Yeah, and We'll talk about Pioneer later on, and I think we will definitely see that sentiment mirrored in Pioneer. And I think if we look back at the way that they have shaped Pioneer, I think that we can see that um, more prevalent there as well. That philosophy, at least, if not execution. I mean, the thing with this card is that the decks were only going to get better over like there people are probably going to figure out better ways to do them, better ways to have them have them, you know, become more consistent or have it be part of a package that has another combo in it or or something i i had no doubt that it over time it probably would have gotten even worse than it was how did it get printed in the first place yeah right well here's the fascinating thing about that so i do not have the tweet in front of me so i feel a little awkward <laughs> paraphrasing it it's never stopped you before dave so aaron someone asked aaron forsyth about why they didn't just errata like it led to a whole discussion where Aaron Forsyth was kind of like, we might change cards on arena yeah. someday and not in paper, or they might errata things more often because arena is so important. But one of the side notes that he said in it was someone said, why didn't you errata trickery to just be opponent spell instead of banning the card completely? And what he said was that would have effectively banned the card. Yeah, Tibble's trickery was never meant to counter your opponent. Yeah, that's what you said. That's it what was, you said well, but, but that's yeah, the yeah. thing that's interesting to me is like they didn't design it with that intention either. Like, it, so what was the intention? It, for it to be a combo piece, a nonsense combo piece. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what the Tibble's trickery decks cascade? It, it was not meant to be cascaded into. That was not intentional, in my opinion. But the, the, the way we see them in standard, just play a zero drop, Tibble's trickery it, maybe hit something big. That's absolutely what the card was meant to do. And I kind of think that that's fine. There are a lot, there are some players who like that kind of gameplay. And I think it was designed with the mill line of text to just not be very consistent. And sometimes you win big, but it's probably not big enough to take down a tournament. And I actually, as far as that design goes, I'm a big fan. 
they I don't think they realize that you could just cascade into it and they always right. hit ever cool. Yeah. And that's not fun. You just multi one card, you cast the one card, and if it wins, it wins. It's dumb. And <laughs> It's no longer modern legal, and I think that that yeah. makes sense. Good for them yeah. for, for really just going like, this is nonsense. Let's get rid of it and move on. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's fine. I'm like, sorry to people who a- bought Omniscience and all the Eldrazi Titans and everything or anyone who did that and, and is losing money right now. But I mean, if you did if you, if you you did buy that, then y- you knew what you were potentially yeah, sure. in for. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> uh, okay, so speaking of Cascade, we also got an important modern-focused rule change. Um, and that is Cascade was tweaked. And so basically the spell cast off of the triggered ability must also have lesser CMC than the spell with Cascade. That's it. That's the rule. Why wasn't this always the rule? The world may never know. Um, but for a little bit more detail, what this really means is that the if the dominant characteristic, that's in quotes, of the card is lower than the cascade spell, it qualifies for the cascade effect, but you cannot cast a spell on that card that is not legal. So for an example, something like an adventure spell, Fae of Wishes, that costs two in the upper right corner, right? Uh, That would be seen by Violent Outburst, a three CMC cascade spell, but that doesn't let you cast Granted because Granted, the the adventure spell uh, costs four. Um, and then vice versa, uh, bone crusher giant is a three CMC adventure spell stomp the instant part, whatever the storybook part. I don't know what you call that. That's only two. We still can't cast it because violent outburst does not see stomp as it's cascading. That always was the case, but the rule has not changed on that. In the case of MDFCs, that means you can cast, let's say Valky two CMC spell, but not Tybalt. Because they will cost seven, right? Of course. So uh, split cards stay the same. They have the combined CMC of both spells because they don't have, I mean, in my my guesstimation, they have no dominant characteristic. It's both spells on one card. So that's how they give the CMC of those. So really all this means is it checks twice. It checks the first time how it always has checked. Nothing is different. Cascade sees the same spells um, off of the the cascade trigger, uh, but then it rechecks that the spell that you want to cast off that card is legal as well. So, like I said, why wasn't this just the way this always worked? Like I've seen a few people say, like this was such an elegant solution, and not to like dismiss that opinion. I think it's just like that's the obvious way it should always have worked to me. It's just like a good solution that should make sense. I think. Well, well I think when they printed Cascade, there weren't cards that worked the way MDFCs work and. It, I, I feel like this is a, a forgivable oversight, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I think they fixed it relatively quickly. Um, and I also think that this means we're going to see more cards like Valky that are cheap spells on the front and expensive spells on the back. Yeah, that's and a I good do idea. Think that, I do think those cards lead to good gameplay. So I'm excited to see, to see more cards like that. And I'm glad that they've nipped it in the bud and this won't be a problem going forward. Yeah. Now the question is, are there other places that need to be nipped because of that? But we'll, we'll keep an eye on the, on the old cards and see what happens. But so here's the real conversation that I think matters in the end. And what do you all think? Like, is modern going to be shaken up into a more fun spot, which is what, the intentions of these bands are, according to Watsi. More fun. I hope so. Fun is subjective. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing today. I think that Modern will be in a good shape after the dust settles, but it's hard to figure out what's going on because there's still a big 
a pile of dust. There's two situations in modern and other constructed formats that are the most fun way to play a constructed format. The first situation is if your absolute favorite deck is tier one. Okay, that feels amazing. The second situation is immediately after a ban or an appropriate unban. And that dusty post-BNR scenario where people are trying to find their sea legs is some of the most inventive uh, situations for constructed play that I encounter on a pretty regular basis over the last few years because of the rate of BNRs. <laughs> like, people love it. And, and, and this, is, this is especially true of unbans. But even yeah. when something like a ban happens and people kind of say, you know, like, Liliana the Veil has been effectively unbanned today. Like, I think that's also true. You get to play with a lot of cards that were outmoded because something broken and overpowered got printed. So even... So, Maybe we'll find in completely. a month or less that there's something insane that needs to go already and we'll be mad again, you know, come March. That being said, the next couple of weeks are going to be super fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. I mean, ever. Yeah, you came in with a lot of positive energy for this. So was this just like, you know, you woke up and you saw the VNR and you were like, they really did it. I can't believe it. They really did it. Yeah. Yeah. The I, I mean, this is my, my favorite thing to do is play Magic the Gathering and when I get to play new games and things are changing, everybody's having fun and playing their own decks, just like Stan said, it's just a ton of fun. And um, I'm having a blast. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be a great time. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to enjoying the ride and we'll, we'll get to wherever we go is kind of where I'm thinking right now. What do you think? What do you think Watsy means when they say more fun? Like, do you think it means like giving more people time to like enact their strategies like are they trying to get rid of combo like really fast combo decks so that people feel like they have some agency there i think the big phrase that tips me to what they think is fun is back and forth gameplay yeah that was a good that's that's a line that i yeah definitely you wanted noted. to pick out yeah mm-hmm. i think you're right about that it's hard to quantify fun everybody enjoys different things about magic and that's what's kind of great about it is that there's dozens of decks and just a million different ways you can play. And there's somebody that enjoys each and every one. So you're never going to make everybody happy. Um, and so I, I think that fun is a very vague, abstract word. And you know, maybe we should just, maybe we just shouldn't read too much into it. You know, maybe we should just enjoy it's it. It's interesting that they pick, you know, picked out the word interaction over win conditions, which is like so it's almost meaningless in what that like actually is, but it's interesting that they're focusing on, we want some, we want to bring some back and forth and some interaction back into the format. And I, I'm, I'm not certain that like, these are exactly the things that are going to do. So like if, if you want to like Uro and the Uro Omnath decks had a lot of interaction, right? Like there's a lot of things happening. You had a lot of ability to, to, you know, counter spells and and you know have some point interaction and stuff like that but i think when they talk about things like Simeon spirit guide and perhaps the the lands that are hard to interact with like field of the dead and mystic sanctuary and that's sort of like a kit of parts like it went along with uro i'd say those two lands so i don't know i think it's like it's a it's a it's a pretty sweeping change i think it's a fundamental change i think that we won't we'll have an idea of well we'll have this this will cast a shadow for like the next few weeks where a few of our old friends will be like peeking their heads out from the corners and then we might have some like a whole new thing saying like hey look at me i'm in the sunlight now i have chance i have a chance to do something cool and i'm hopeful i'm hopeful uh 
about what will be an option. Like, I mean, just being able, like humans, humans got crushed by like four color Uro Omnath decks, right? So being able to like go back in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know what Death Shadow decks don't like playing against? Humans. You know, I think that we're going to, you know, what I think people are going to play a lot next week. Rakdos Shadow. Like maybe I can just like go have fun and be like, ha ha. Like I'm, I'm having fun with humans again. Like why not? All right. Let's move on to historic because compared to modern and we will try to get to pioneer, this felt like a very tempered, very expected and perhaps, you know, the least exciting format to talk about just because all they really did was they banned Uro. And they functionally banned Omnath by calling it banned instead of just keeping it on the suspended list. So that changes nothing. Right. Hey, no, it changed my wildcard collection because I think I had three Omnath. And now that I got banned, I've got three Mythic wildcards. Hey, you can use them on nothing. Because nothing, because I already have like have 30. Them. Yeah. And I have like, I have like 10 regular rare wilds and 30 Mythics. Yeah. yeah so in the BNR article, they stated again that... Uro decks are the most played in Historic, have been for a while now, and that dominance shows too powerful for the format, which makes sense because this card is too powerful for other formats too, potentially even too powerful for Legacy. This is a very short write-up for for Historic, and, you know, it is what it is. I agree with the take that, like, Sultai was annoying. It wasn't always the best deck it wasn't um, always the most dominant deck. You could get around it. There are lots of ways to play around it. You know, the big difference here is that it was a little harder to get enough cards in the graveyard to escape Uro over and over again. Um, you could usually do it pretty well once. You could, it was a lot harder to do it twice because there's no not that many fetch lands. You know, there's just Fabled Passage. And so the power level was definitely reduced here. But it's still a big beater. And it was still all over the place. And I'm still glad that it's gone, honestly. Shane, do you think this will actually shake up what's at the top of the historic format? I personally uh, don't so much. Um, mainly because the top of the historic meta was stuff that already beat Sultai, right? It wasn't like Sultai was, was stomping on things like Gruul or stopping on things like Jun Sack, these other decks that you could clamor tier one, because they have a matchup against Sultai about 55%. And that's over a lot of matches on the uh, untapped. And what's really crazy to me is that untapped data over many months shows that Sultai ramp has pretty average to negative matchups against a lot of popular decks in historic besides the controlling decks. And there's you know tens of thousands of matchups to to back this claim up, and personally, I don't think that historic was in that bad of a shape, and I don't really think that Uro was really heavily warping the metagame around it because we have data that indicates that it wasn't. But I do hate Uro, and I'm I'm glad it's gone. I'm glad it sort of opens up the meta a little bit, just like it did. I think it will in modern, where it's like, hey, if you want to build a mid range ramp control type strategy. You don't have to start with Uro. You don't have to start in heavy Simic. You can you can explore other good cards and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I saw a couple of cool uh, like Jund, and not to bring Jund up again, but like Jund esque mid range decks and Obzon esque mid range decks, and like I've I've seen those decks in in Historic before, and so it would be interesting to see if they turn out to be good. You know, like I think that there's making it so that people can pick other cards with that strategy is great because 
there was just nothing that could touch the efficiency of Uro once he really came down to it. But there are some people who are upset that they didn't go far enough in Historic, but I think this one will be a real wait and see. Like, I still enjoy the format quite a bit. I know you... Yeah. I think I think the Sacrifice deck has no bad matchups. Yeah, it's now. really, really, yeah. really good. Well, the only matchup that I was thinking about, and, you know, if we could talk about it now for a minute, is um, I could see green-white taxes getting a lot more popular if if John and Raksak become higher up on the list because they're incentivized to play Yasharn. They also play Skyclave Apparition, which is kind of a bummer for that deck because it hits a creature and it also can hit the oven if that's the best target exiles, on the field. Which is the best and it part exiles about stuff. Yeah, so, so, you know, if they have a sack engine out and somebody apparitions you, then you can sack in response, but they can get your oven with it is the big, the big thing there. But I, I do think that ultimately, you know, my take on historic is that I, I think sack is going to get quite a bit better. Um, yeah, but. I, it's it's honestly crazy to me that they didn't ban something from the sacrifice yeah. deck and the goblins deck, too. I I don't really get it. It, it feels like such a different approach to to modern, honestly. Um, I, I'm not super in tune with historics, so maybe I am speaking out of turn. But I, I, I anticipate goblins and sacrifice running rampant until uh something gets banned yeah. from them yeah it's it's weird because i think that the, the the data we have in historic is from different types of sources like i think untapped is is one source of that data and untapped has its own you know it's its own window of looking at the data right and it's not necessarily de facto correct so like you can say uh goblins already beat saltai just fine. And then I think there's plenty of people who would say, hey, the, if you look at maybe the last three weeks, which you can't do on untapped because just the granularity isn't there, uh, the Saltai decks have tweaked and are able to now uh, beat goblins on a regular basis, or at least, you know, have a positive win rate against goblins. And so, um, yeah, I think that will, it remains to be seen what it looks like and what the metagame looks like in the, in the coming weeks. But I think that people will want more changes in the near future. The one last thing I'll add about this Euroban and Historic is I think we might see more variety among control and midrange strategies in Historic because right now Soul Tide is just the only control and midrange deck you can actually play. Maybe with the exception of Red Black Arcanist has a bit of a midrange plan, but otherwise Blue-white control, blue-black control, I think are very fringy. And right now there's a little bit more incentive to kind of explore their potential at solving specific problems. So we might, this could be wishful thinking, but maybe we'll find ways to address problems such as sacrifices potential by looking into other control strategies that can tune to that metagame. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to, it's, it'll be interesting. We cut the, the top off of the meta and see where it goes from there. I mean, honestly, Nissa that shakes the world is still good, you know. Like yes. I mean, Saltite might still be good. It just might have different car, a different card in that slot. Yeah. So it, just play cra- more Crasis's, play more Nissa's, play that Serpent. Yeah, that puts a three three every upkeep. So can't be countered. That might it might not be the end of Saltite itself. I mean, there's there's lots of other stuff going on there. Okay, so should we move off of historic? There was definitely a lot more to talk about in modern, but there's a lot to talk about in pioneer. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> how much time do we want to give this? Because it's still like, man, I want Pioneer to be good. This will be our first time talking about Pioneer in 2021. Oh my gosh, I think you're right. 
I don't think that's true, but Pioneer is uh, Pioneer is your old friend that uh, was toxic and you had to sever ties with, and is working on themselves really hard, and you're really rooting for them, and maybe one day you'll rekindle the friendship, but it's just not time. You still yet, think it's I not think. time, Everett? I was going to ask you if today is that day. At least that's not, that's how it is for me. I don't know. I I saw the announcement. I think that these are probably good decisions. I still don't really want to play Pioneer. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't I don't know how to want to. I don't know how to want to play Pioneer. It, it needs a horizon set. It needs a horizon set is what Pioneer needs. They need to print cards into Pioneer. Uh, I think that's what it needs. Or, or pull the curtain back beyond Return to Ravnica. That could be good. Oh, dude, then, we, then I could just play RTR Innistrad Standard exactly. in Pioneer. That would be That's awesome. what everybody wants, yeah. more All Innistrad right. cards. Yeah? Okay. We should probably talk about what actually got banned. <laughs> I, I would play Pioneer. I would play Pioneer if they put Innistrad in it. I love it. I would. Oh, yeah, yeah. Snapcaster, Mage, and Pioneer. Heck yeah. I mean, it's not getting played in Modern anymore, or is it? It'll be Snap, uh, Wild Slash, Snap. Exactly. All right, so they banned Uro in Pioneer, just like we talked about. It is what it is. Um, I do like the the note from the initial write-up that was kind of like, our vision from Pioneer is to be a collection of the most fun, powerful, and iconic cards and strategies from recent standard formats. That's maybe the clearest encapsulation I've ever heard anybody explain for what Pioneer is supposed yeah, to be. That's a very interesting it's statement. It's not even close to that, no. though, is it? They're like, they're so off this goal. And never has been. It's never been close to that, right? I don't think so. No, I, I actually feel like it was before Theros came out. I don't know. There was like great red decks, great ramp decks, great blue white decks, lots of interesting, you know, vehicles and, and green strategies. And, you know, you could play all these devotion decks and it was awesome. Yeah, and I don't, but printed, I don't feel like it felt like standard. I mean, it didn't feel like sta- old standard decks coming back. Every time someone tried to do that, they got stomped. They were their own things, right? Like, I mean. Yeah, but it, it kind of felt like archetypes of different standard decks, like the best versions that you've ever seen of. A re- of the ramp and control and uh you know aggro decks and then you know fastest oracle and uro and heliod and underworld breach got printed and then nothing was done about it for the longest time and then it, and then new cards like omnath you know entered uh, the undercity informer shenanigans started happening with the mdfcs and you know we we, we see we see a lot of the problems gone now and it Pioneer is probably going to be in a good shape going forward, but um, but I, I I do I do believe that Pioneer was really fond before Theros came out. I right? totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I and I don't know. I was I was really into it, and I was like so so excited to travel to Arizona where I bet you guys and play in this Pioneer paper tournament. It was great, and you know here we are uh, more than a year later in this cold cold winter. And Pioneer is not fun anymore. Modern is good again. But maybe next year, it'll be a warm winter, and it'll be paper tournaments again, and we'll like Pioneer. And it'll be really fun, and Innistrad will be in the, in the format at that point. And I, okay. I look forward to it. <laughs> Everett's just it. fully yeah. signing on to Stan's idea. Yeah, now. Yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's a great idea. I, I love it. Yeah. Let's not go back to, to Mirrodin, though, because we don't want Phyrexian mana to, to get into Pioneer. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You also get Mana Leak, too, yeah. which is... yeah. Okay, so Uro got banned. Talk about the actual cards? Yeah, Uro got yeah, banned. Uro. We talked about it. Uro was a pain in this format. It was difficult. Uh, Omnath is in this format still and uh, was... Will it be good enough without its buddy Uro, though? Well, it has another buddy named, named uh, Niv-Mizzet, 
that we should keep in mind. And that's what led to the other card, one of the other cards that was banned, which is Teferi Time Raveler. Now, people have asked for this card to be banned in many formats, and now (laughs) it is. Mm -hmm. It's in modern still, but it's gone otherwise. Uh, What do we think about that? Um, Teferi the Fun Raveler (laughs) has been a thorn in everybody's side for a long time until the last two weeks where it was a hero against the Cascade deck. Kind of. It, it wasn't good enough. It was too slow. I don't know. I, I, I like Teferi going. Teferi is, I think, very unfun card that's like just not quite good enough to ban most of the time. But it seems like they finally have gotten sick of it in Historic and Pioneer, and maybe it'll go from older formats one day. I mean, all, all this, all their kind of rationalization for this was they just wanted, they wanted to lower the power level of i think what they saw the domino how they saw the dominoes fall right and they're like okay removing teferi is going to lower the power level of these nib delight decks which are highly played and and highly winning um and i think that it makes sense for for teferi to go if they really saw like niv still i guess being a major player even though it's going to lose uro i don't think there's any reason for it to not be a major player with losing uro it'll be less powerful for sure but this is a big like taking a lot of wind out of the sails of that deck now so well wilderness reclamation being banned is a big deal for niv because that was its natural part of it, side, I think. Yeah. and you can still bring to light for tybalt which is going to be a really good reason to be niv i mean you lose you lose to fairy and uro yeah. uh, but I, I think niv is still going to be a good pioneer deck i, and I, it I can agree be. yeah especially because of bring to light and tybalt I, I think it's okay if it's a good pioneer deck and paying five for tybalt i think is is quite reasonable even right it's you're just no one wants to pay two or three yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i think going through deck building constrictions to pay five for tybalt is worth it i think if tybalt just cost five mana it would be very, very good. I want to pat myself and Dave on the back because when we were brainstorming what the possible bans would be for today's episode... Hey, look, I was watching Moonstruck with my wife, okay? Hey, snap That's out of it, I Shane. Hey, snap out hey, of it. I can't blame you. Great movie. But somehow we swung 100 in Pioneer. Didn't do quite as well for the other formats. We we, we did in Modern. No, we swung 100 in Modern. Did we? Yeah. The only card that uh, we talked about potentially seeing a ban in Pio that didn't happen was Valky, but we saw the uh, Wilderness Wreck, we saw Teferi, we saw Oops decks being banned, which is kind of the next one on this list, Balustrade, Spy, and Undercity Informer. Look at us. The format we haven't played in maybe a year is the one that we're able to predict most accurately. Can we talk about Balustrade, Spy, and Undercity Informer for like is that the next the, the next the one, one card combo because like the card yeah they're just one card combos and it's it's wild to me wild to me that two cards from gate crash got banned because that set <laughs> have you looked at that set lately um anyway it's, high power level yeah it's just i'm surprised that they nerfed this deck so hard but this deck is so annoying it's annoying in modern it's annoying in pioneer um so i guess RIP, we'll see how Oops All Spells changes because I have no doubt that the fact that someone can play a deck with no lands in it will find a way to be abused uh, will happen again. But yeah. Okay. We got to talk about, is this going to help Pioneer as much as we can imagine, right? And like they they took, they basically took 35% of the top of the metagame and either banned it outright or nerfed it really hard. 
And that is a lot of space for other decks to make room for themselves. Maybe entirely new decks to be created. I'll believe it when I see it when it comes to Pioneer. Um, and, and this is rough going back to kind of what we talked about before um, with what you were saying, Everett. And like, it's about like sort of what is fun and how do they want to curate these formats? And I think Pioneer, it looks like Watsi is really trying to eliminate most combo strategies from this format, even ones that are particularly fast. Uh, because I think that they see eliminating combo in Pioneer as one way for them to keep this format, quote unquote, fun. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily is going to help the format out. I, I think, in my opinion, what has been bad about Pioneer is when the format gets just so stuck and solved and new decks aren't able to be viable at all because the existing top decks are just, you know, they're very, they're there, they're solved. There's not a ton of room for innovation in them. There's like a little tiny wiggle room. And for a format like Pioneer, with like just so full of fun cards that people like and that just aren't good enough, maybe that's what's making it be not fun. Not Maybe not necessarily the presence of combo decks, but the combo decks, you know, pushing the other things out from from being possible and i i i really hope pioneer is good again i would love to to want to play pioneer yeah i hope they keep banning cards until glory bringer is good again that's yeah. that's like when i, honest, I was honestly, enjoying I, it I, yeah yeah i think glory bringer being a good card in pioneer would be a good litmus test for how the format is yeah i i one of the things i'll talk about later and since we're on it now uh in the dive down section is I think what they really, really seem like they want to push pioneer to the board, right? They, they don't want people winning through funky interactions. They don't want even like a control combo strategy or a combo strategy. that takes like five or six turns to set up. Like they want people winning, I think through creature combat or controlling creature combat and having like a win con. And, and I think that's their, near-term goal for how they want to shape Pioneer based on the last bannings and these bannings. I think that's kind of the way we see things going. I, I think you're onto something. I might phrase it that Wizards wants to see traditional archetypes represented in Pioneer. So aggro, mid-range control, ramp combo, um, and then like a, a healthy diversity between them. Not necessarily just playing to the board, but I, I, do, I do think you're onto that. I, th I think you're onto something with that. Yeah, I think it's a better way to say it for but sure. But is there any combo left? Is it just it, there's I, there's still Lotus Field combo? I, I from what I understand, that deck is still uh, you know playable. There you could play a, you could play Aetherworks Marvel now that Teferi is banned potentially. That was definitely always felt like the card that was keeping uh, Aetherworks Marvel at bay was Teferi Time Raveler because it's static shut off its ability. Wow, there's a call. That's a good great point. So yeah, I think there are probably some combo decks. Thousand Year Storm, but we'll see. We'll see how good they are. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! The one last thing I'll say about Pio is I think the format needs more than bands to get popular and exciting again. I think it needs some top-down support in terms of incentivized yeah. attendance for Pioneer events. I, I think Hor a Horizon set specifically cultivated to make Pioneer exactly what they want it to be. Or maybe just what you said, printing Innistrad. That's not, that sounds like what Pioneer needs. I, I really think I really I think I honestly I think you, you're exactly right. I I would play Pioneer probably for a month if they put Innistrad in it, and that just sounds so exciting and fun to me. And Innistrad is like a super well loved set, 
and the power level of those cards feel honestly just about right, and I, I'd be down. Yeah, I'd be faithless down. looting. Never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Faithless looting would be fine in Pioneer, maybe. Don't <laughs> don't hold me to that. So like you but want like I, an I, anthology, I, even maybe not yeah, even a, yeah, maybe yeah, not yeah, maybe yeah, not a that full would be good. That full would masters. Be good. Yeah, I I I I would think that that would be very good for pioneer i mean the other thing is if they actually stick to their word and put pioneer on arena you're just going to have access to a bigger player base and if they do arena yeah. opens for pioneer or those you know random weekend yeah. events and, and maybe that will be the what i was talking about the next year pioneer will be good again yeah that will be what when it happens and it'll be pystoric i i'm just imagining playing Faithless looting with treasure crews and pioneer and is it phoenix right now and just going like well, well that's, that's the thing is there aren't that many other good one mana spells you know you don't have as many the density of cantrips you don't have mana morphos you don't have lava dart totally yeah it might be fine all right so final thoughts on this whole thing yeah we feel excited i feel excited it's been a long year. Yeah, I mean, I, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in, in Magic and the formats that we pay attention to in the last 12 months, even without paper play. And it's there's been good times. There's been bad times. But I feel like they put some effort into kind of like correcting some stuff right now, especially when it comes to modern, in my mind. So, Is modern what you're most excited about, Dave? Definitely. I mean, I haven't paid pi- t- attention to Pioneer a long time. I've still enjoyed Modern because the deck that I enjoy the most is mostly intact over the last six months. Uh, and then Historic, I-, I enjoy, and it'll be good to see Uro gone. At least I think it'll be good to see Uro gone there. We'll see what happens. But Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty significant ban announcement in Modern and Pioneer and, and maybe like a mildly interesting tweak to Historic. I don't remember this many cards in a single band announcement ever no i could be wrong but that that was i mean that's my question i wanted to, to talk about a little bit is like do you think this is the biggest modern shakeup? um perhaps perhaps since like oko opal lattice or maybe even like twin bloom like twin maybe, summer bloom was I, a lot I feel, like, I feel like twin summer bloom was a big one but there was also like faithless looting hogak bands stoneforge unbanned just like just loot looting being banned was, was looting looting to sfm was a lot yeah 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 I, I just like Faithless Looting was the best card in Modern for so long, and it just like I feel like looting being banned was what allowed you know the rise of blue decks to some extent, and then also a lot of good blue cards being printed helped. Um, I I don't know that this is going to be the biggest shakeup, but it definitely feels like one of the biggest ones, and maybe maybe time will tell. Yeah, the one thing I wish is that they didn't just shoehorn 10 announcements into a single article and have to give a sort of abridged explanations for all of them. And maybe they could have put out four or five articles in a day. Maybe they could have like spread this out over the weekend or something like that. But I want to hear more about their philosophies for these formats. I know that's something people talk about a lot is sort of this curatorial transparency they hinted at their vision for Pioneer by making it a greatest hits of standard, but do they have visions for historic and modern? Are there cards that they still have uh, in their crosshairs as things to watch in some of these other formats? You know, it's probably wishful thinking and maybe if we're lucky, we'll get in a tweet one day, but what makes certain best of one decks? Okay. Like Neoform or Tybalt's trickery, what makes Muxus okay in best of three? These are some of my hanging thread questions that I'd love to get an answer to one day, but 
I don't think it's really in their nature anymore to provide that amount of transparency unless they're really pushed. I don't think that they can have super hard, strict rules and philosophies for ban announcements anymore. It's just data gets processed so fast. Weird quarter cases come up. Things that are usually subjective become, you know, not so subjective. And I I do think that they probably have more defined ideas of what they want to be doing with the ban list behind the scenes. But as soon as they announce what those ideals are you'll get just a million people rules lawyering and complaining why did you ban this this wasn't exactly what you said you were going to do with the ban list even though new things will come up and then they'll think they'll need to go against their guidelines so i yeah that's my opinion at least on the on the matter rules lawyers ruining the game again (laughs) all right so we know what everybody really is tuned in for here though is they want to know what we think is going to happen. And so the next, we're going to take a little break. And the next section, we are going to hop over into talking about what we think are some winners and losers in each format. Uh, Maybe beyond the obvious ones, if we can stay with us. All right. So what we thought would be fun for the the next section here is some called shots, right? I don't know if we even need, we were going to talk about winners and losers. We went a little long in the breakdown section. I don't know if we need to talk about losers. People know the decks that are losing pieces, uh, unless there's some second level stuff that people want to talk about that they think is interesting. Yeah. The tertiary. We're going to start with modern, right? Like I'm, I'm all for that, but we're going to start with modern. Let's talk about decks that we think are winners in modern right now. And then we can go back to the unobvious losers later. And I want to start with Stan. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> so every good deck from the last year or two of modern that hasn't seen a ban is probably a winner specifically. <laughs> yeah. The, the decks that got cards banned get worse and the decks that didn't get cards banned. Get this better. is a great rule of thumb. End of podcast. We should put that on the next play mat. So people are talking about shadow. Um, I think Shane's going to talk about shadow. But if Shadow gets popular, I can see Etron getting a little more popular because now Etron becomes perhaps the premier Chalice deck. I think definitely the premier Chalice deck. Yeah, I, I think both Shadow slash Prowess decks because the best Shadow deck is Red Black and Red Black is really a Prowess yeah. deck. Um, I do think that those decks get better. And I also do think Eldrazi Tron is a playable deck again because uh, they don't have to die as quickly all the time. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> it's, it's really the... Uh... The three drop that does it. Matter Reshaper. You can't stop Matter Reshaper. <laughs> Whenever uh, someone casts Matter Reshaper on turn two against me on stream, I'll always right click and just hover over concede. <laughs> and, and I'll complain and go on a tangent about how wizards is in their power creep. That's funny. I usually just have a big sigh of relief whenever they play that card against me. I don't, maybe it's not the right thing to do, but I'm usually like, okay. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. about the Sh- Rakdos Shadow versus Etron matchup and trying to figure out what does Etron do about a resolved Scourge of the Skyclave? Because that seems like probably in Prowess's favor now. Uh, 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 they, Maze Mind Tome can maybe kill it because it gets to gain four life. That That's probably an interesting angle. Mattery Shaper blocking is is interesting as well. Karn can get in Snaring Bridge. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty deadly though. But, it's it's pretty yeah. Maybe deadly. a uh, the little Ugin can destroy it too. Yeah. yeah. So another another called shot. I think Ponza becomes a great choice again. And there was a time even when Ura was legal, 
where Ponza was a tier one deck. Yeah, yeah. And it fell out of favor I, a little bit, but yeah. I don't see why a turn two Blood Moon or a turn two Chandra would get suddenly worse in this new environment. I think that if like Elder Gargaroths or whatever whatever aggro deck is popular, uh, if Ponza can figure out a reasonable plan against that, I agree with you. But if the popular aggro decks are like Blue Red Prowess or Humans, I think that Ponza is probably going to struggle. Because whenever I played Ponza in the past, it was just like humans and like the fast prowess decks always felt so so miserable to fight against what do you think about hammer right now because my my concern is that when we lose like these the uro omnath style decks and we maybe have a rise of traditional sort of black based disruptive hand disruption removal pile type decks and i'm curious if hammer is going to be able to hold its strength where it is now or if it will sort of you know get worse uh in in that sense i'm 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 not sure time is great i think hammer time is a really good deck and i think that it it got better with the announcement got better Um, wow that's interesting i i I, um i think hammer time is underrated honestly even like even though it was crushing tournaments i think hammer time can grind way more than people think it can yeah it definitely can yeah, I think that the really good Hammer Time players can play around interaction in a really challenging way to beat, and I could see that someone just picking it up and mastering it in the same way you can like pick up and master Amulet Titan and just really just play around permission. And I I think Hammer Time is going to be a a, a big deck going forward. And I I, I, well, I I I do I do think this, but there's there's aggro decks I think are going to be really good. I think the format is going to be immediately defined by aggro decks at least for the the next month or two. And those aggro decks are going to be humans, red black shadow, blue blue red prowess, maybe the weird mono red prowess decks, um, and then potentially hammer time as well. And so then you're going to have mid range and control decks trying to evolve that are are beating up on those decks while also trying to hedge against the big mana Tron, the Titan decks. Uh, the fast combo deck of choice, which is going to be oops all spells. Potentially, dredge is going to show up every once in a while, and and this is what I anticipate the format looking like. And I think that seems like a pretty reasonable place to be. Also, uh, green white heliod is great and probably good against almost all the things I just listed. Yeah, I was going to say that's the one thing that's definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of decks that are on my radar, but I was thinking green white feels like it's poised yeah, for a I, lot of comeback I, I think it's immediately the best deck um you get you can probably beat it but it just seems like the best choice in an unknown metagame ever right wouldn't you agree that it's now the deck to beat in modern um maybe maybe i i actually feel like the deck to beat is aggro decks in general yeah yeah and so because and that's why i like heliod so much because it does beat the aggro decks pretty so well, and then also is good against you know everything really, or has I, game I should say. I mean, I, I keep going back to Rakdos Death Shadow, and I'm like, what is this deck not doing? Like it's it's gonna have hand disruption for maybe some key pieces of decks like let's say Hammer Time. Like maybe they're like, hey, I'm gonna strip out your you know your mana cheater, your Sigarda's aid or whatever. Uh, and then I'm going to put a clock on you. And that can do that to decks like, you know, various Titan style decks where, you know, uh, turn two or turn three Thoughties can do a lot of work potentially if they're really relying on the Titan they have in hand. Uh, you, you clock people really well, like I said. I I don't know what's what's so bad about Rakdos Death Shadow where it's not going to be a tier one contender. 
uh, Stormwing entity. Yeah. Is what's so bad about it. And so that's kind of the interesting dynamic is red, red, blue prowess and red, black prowess, which is red, black scourge have this really interesting tension where they can't ever deal with Stormwing entity ever unless they thought sees it. But thought sees is kind of bad against them if they don't take exactly Stormwing entity. Okay. But, uh, yeah. that, that, and it also like, you know, loses to infinite life, but they have interaction. I think it's I think it's very interesting. I think red black is going to be great, but the deck does have weaknesses. One one bad thing about scourge was your opponent just sometimes killed your scourge by casting an uro and you lost the game. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my mind, I will say I think that shadow, the funnel on shadow is going to open up some too. Where I think that like you know a lot of people were like Liliana the Veil got unbanned today, Tarmogoyf got unbanned today. Like a lot of people are having that kind of take on the bannings, but I do think that Jun Shadow is is good uh, potentially again just be able to to bring uh Tarmogoyf back into the deck could be a really good way to go as well because suddenly you have a threat that's pretty big for cheap and it's one of the bigger ones for cheap and you also get to run scourge and death shadow and so i feel like that style of deck could come back it's a style of shadow that i really like to play a lot um i was going to say while we're talking about aggro decks of course i am thrilled that blue red prowess is probably pretty good still right now and will continue to be and didn't lose anything. And uh, I'm looking forward to that continuing. It's my favorite deck. So I think monastery Swift spear is the best creature in modern right now. We, we but have a, the, we have yeah. a, a Slack member, uh, Abe, I think maybe who it was, was Kyle. Who was saying, Kyle, Kyle, uh, Kyle yeah. was, well, Kyle was like uh monastery Swift Swift should have been on the ban list with full seriousness. You know what? Kyle may tr- prove to be like way wiser than all of us. Swiss Spear, I think, was already the best creature in modern for whatever that's. Worth. I agree. I I, yep. I I think that it was already better than uh, every other creature in the format, Uro and Spear Guide included. Mm-hmm. And I, I still I still think that I think Swiss Spear is just nuts. But the thing is, it's like in your Swift Spear decks, you have to play all these other threats that are not as good as Monastery Swift Spear is is the issue, and so it's like. You can either build your deck to be like slower and grindier for these threats, or you can, you know, maximize some of these nut draws. I don't know. I'm kind of getting off, but still off point a bit. Yeah. What what we're what we are saying though is that any deck that's running Swiss Spear has a good chance to be ascendant yeah. right now, right? Whether that's burn, yeah. whether that's blue red prowess, whether it's red black prowess shadow. I I totally agree with that. It's very hard to compete with a one mana spell that has haste and prowess always good i mean the the drop off when you really think about it just just think about the drop off from soul scar mage to swift spear just think about it like yeah. it's huge and it's really just all about the haste um but mm-hmm. so if i'm reading between the lines though ever you kind of make it sound like you're not gonna play control for a minute oh i'm, I'm gonna play control constantly it's gonna be awesome <laughs> no I, I i i said that maybe i kind of glossed over it i do think mid-range and control decks can adapt in this environment i think that just guy control with cleansing wildfire and flagstones potentially my favorite deck in modern which is the the blood sun lotus field to fairy hero of dominaria deck i played i played it today it felt okay all right maybe that deck could be real i think the bant ephemerate control deck or soul herder decks can rise to prominence people are going to play blue white people are going to play john those decks are going to be medium as always i think there will be good control decks uh there will be control decks that people play um and i'm looking forward to it i'm, I'm going to be one of those people uh i, I think that we're going to find a metagame that's targetable which is where control decks uh shine right. can we talk about one shadow elephant in the room that we haven't talked about yet 
the big shadowy elephant. Rixus? Yeah, the, no, the big the big green shadow, which uh, is oh, yeah. uh, prime primeval titan. Mm. Like, what about primeval titan in this meta? Because I actually originally was kind of like, I feel like titan has an up arrow next to it after this, I, even I though it too. loses yeah, field. Yeah. It's weird because titan got a big nerf in losing field, but I, I agree that I think titan. Uh, like gets to go back to the amulet titan variants and i think honestly the biggest thing that makes titan good is the mystic sanctuary ban i i think it's very it's very subtle but i just always felt like if i had mystic sanctuary in my deck and aether gust i had a good titan match absolutely just getting putting aether gust back on top of sanctuary was a, a really good way to beat them and like just that interaction is what led to the reclaimer titan deck being built uh, to beat up on that interaction. And um, I think that the Titan players are probably happy to sacrifice Field of the Dead for Sanctuary in order to make their Amulet Titan deck reasonable again. Yeah, and I feel like, too, I mean, they're they're totally okay going on Valakut as the win con. You know, if you want to go that way instead of Amulet, um, you can still go that way and you can play Scapeshift again, which I think could be decent in certain depending on how the meta kind of turns out. I mean, if there's a bunch of like counterspell decks, it's harder to, to escape shift. But, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of power there still too. Yeah, there's there's a million different directions you can go. Part of me even thinks that scape shift, Titan shift specifically gets better because of Dryad as well. Like you, yes. you, you don't have to you fetch. You can't run on mountains. Exactly. You don't have to fetch quite as carefully because all of your lands are hits for Valakut now. Yeah. Well, the, pro- the problem is, oh, because of Dryad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. Classic Titan Shift has got this weird tension where Dryad and play makes your deck great, uh, and you really want to play Castle Four Gap, Castle Gear, and bring the Caster Primeval Titans. But then, if your Dryad dies, obviously your deck can fall apart pretty easily, from from what I can gather. But maybe I, I feel like I there was like a little while ago where Titan Shift was making a bit of a resurgence, and I'm like, why is this deck? being played it's so much worse than the other titan decks and i just kept losing to it so mm-hmm. yeah, why there, there is might, this there might deck? be something there yeah okay so are there any unobvious losers do you think we haven't talked much about adnaz i know that was kind of mm. like we pour one out a lot of yeah. a lot of you know yeah. we have some some friends in the slack who have been building like foil adnaz so pour one out for jason yeah adnaz can no longer cast lightning storm off of simian spirit guides which was a very important access for them to get the kill in addition to Thassa's Oracle. So Thassa's Oracle might now be the win con that they have to lean into. Yeah, this might now be a spoils of the vault Thassa's Oracle Angel's Grace combo deck that people play because they have the cards and is probably going to be a worse combo deck than a lot of other strategies, but is maybe something worth considering. And maybe you still play one copy of Ad Nauseam's four, Ad Nauseam to Spoils of the Vault four when you have exactly Angel's Grace, but you don't have the other two pieces of your combo. Um, oh wait, although that wouldn't be true if you have Spoils. Yeah, if you have Angel's Grace Spoils, you can Spoils for Ad Nauseam, draw your deck, and if you have enough mana, you can Thassa's Oracle. Yeah. Now, um, the deck yeah. I did see, there was a deck circulating around the Slack and also on Twitter today already that is SSG-less adnaz that has risk the redeemer and double mox amber to be able to perform as as spirit spirit need. guides for the mana you need to cast it to you draw your whole oh, deck oh. so, so it taps for green or white and then you can pin tad prism correct into thassa's or correct yeah and that's determined like deterministic with adnaz still so I, I don't know if that's the package i still think that those cards are good guys i'm not an adnaz player but totally. like 
figuring out a i feel like there's a way to make it work okay but it yeah, might yeah, just maybe, be slower maybe. yeah maybe I, I i agree i think that that is a very creative solution i think that there are possibly other creative solutions out there to look for i don't have them off the top of my head right what do we think about for some of these other non-interactive combo decks like like oops all spells in modern that's that's the best one that's the best one i think it just, that one so very consistently kills on turn three um just you know play a mana rock on turn two play a balustrade spy or under city informer on turn three very very consistently going to happen the deck probably just plays more main deck interaction like discard spells and and, and maybe a little more mana rocks um and you know is going to fold to graveyard hate but then you can play belchers in the sideboard you can play answers to graveyard hate you have a lot of you have a lot of game against graveyard hate and so i think that oops spells is going to be the premier um fast glass cannon combo deck belcher and oops all spells and temple's trickery uh all got much worse i don't think that uh oops all spells got enough worse that it's yeah i, I, th- I think it's going to reign supreme mm. how about prison how do how bad do we feel about mono red prison that that deck has has not been good in years yeah and I, I, I don't think it's 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 much worse without spirit guide um, yeah, much worse. But it, honestly, I really feel like that deck had never had good matchups. Is is how I felt about it for a long time. Do you think Cryptic Command can still see play in a world without Mystic Sanctuary? Uh, yes, but it's worse. Yeah, it's still a playable card, I think. And Snapcaster Mage gets a bit better too. Um, yeah, I saw I saw you playing it today. Yeah, I, I think Snapcaster is good. I I also think Cryptic Command is still good in specifically. The Bant Ephemerate control deck because you get to loop it with your Ephemerate and Eternal Witness, and I'm very excited for that. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a playable card. I think that Cryptic Command was unplayable during the Faithless Looting era mm. when your opponents were, you know, just spewing a million power into play early, and then Cryptic Command was just four mana fog. Yeah. But that's not the format we live in anymore, you know? You don't have like four or five, you know, Decks are just getting so much recursive value from the graveyard and Cryptic lines up so poorly against them. I think Cryptic is still a reasonable card to be on. A couple other decks that I think got hit with today's ban. Electrobalance, without Simeon Spirit Guide, can no longer cast turn one Rhinos. Oh no. I thought that Electrobalance was going to quietly be great, but I found out I was wrong today. I thought that you could Valky off of Electrobalance and As Foretold. I double checked today on Magic Online. And you actually can't, um, but I thought it was going to be like a secret winner, mm-hmm. but it's not for everybody who was secretly thinking the same thing as I was. And, and likewise, Neo Brand. I don't think they can do turn one Neo forms anymore without Simeon Spirit Guide. Yeah, that deck's dead. I think. I hope. I mean, it can maybe also play Mox Amber, right? If you get if you get Grossel Brand in play, they tap for black, and if you can convert that mana into a you know, Lab Maniac somehow. Maybe it's still just a deck. But, but. can you get Crystal Brandon play on turn one without the ape? Chancellor of the Tangle lets you. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, the deck's, the deck's <clears throat> much worse, for sure. That's not a bad thing, necessarily. Yeah. I mean, not that I felt like Neobrand has been terrorizing, you know, anyone recently. Yeah, too yeah, of course not, yeah. One question I had for you, Everett, is because you have a little bit you know, ongoing experience that we do, we don't with modern. Do you think there were decks that were capitalizing on the Euro meta that you think are going to have more predators now? 
Like what, what is maybe a loser that people won't, aren't thinking about? Mm. And if, if there's not, no I, problem. I, I don't really think that there is, there's like a, a couple of fringe decks and it's honestly a little hard to even think about because the last two weeks have been dominated by Valky. And so we, yeah. I haven't really been in the, that format, but there's like the red, black mid range deck that was John dropping the green, playing Magmatic Channeler, yeah. main deck Blood Moons. And that deck was around to beat up on the Uro decks and also be kind of metagamed for like the low to the ground aggro decks. And so that deck is maybe still playable, but I think it's worse. Um, the Jeskai Lotus Field deck that I really like and is, you know, a little slow in the format, but that deck did, did beat up on Uro decks. And even though no card got banned from it, it... Um, did I think it worse because it's you know the decks it was trying to prey on is no longer is no longer there, but that's just kind of like a fringe brew that I have and I like rather than a real deck in the meta game. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Besides like the red black mid range deck, I think like the decks that were kind of preying on the Euro strategies were uh, you know blue red prowess uh, specifically or like the mono red prowess decks. Um, some Hammer Time players felt like they had good Euro matchups, and I think all of those decks are still going to be good. Sure. Yeah. Shall we move on to Historic and, and Pioneer so we can breeze through these in the time we have left? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay, Historic. Winners in Historic. I have a hard time with this because I think statistically, like I said, Sultai isn't really that great of a deck, uh, but the main thing that Sultai was able to beat up on were slower control decks, interestingly like uh, blue-white and bant control. And I think that blue-white is going to see a big uptick in play as like the controlling strategy du jour. But I'm I'm not really sure how control decks in the card pool of Historic can, can't can run like, let's say, Thoughtseize or the ultra-efficient black removal that the other colors don't really get to touch on. Um, so yeah, I guess like my winner's list is like slow decks that couldn't keep up with Saltai's value engine. And didn't have and didn't have the speed to beat them down. So like like the control decks, perhaps, but also even stuff like the there's a lot of versions of this deck, but the one that I'm thinking of is basically like the creature-based green-white company deck. It's kind of like a big mid-range deck. Um, and that is something that's been giving Gruel Aggro a big headache. And that's a popular deck. Yeah, I mean, I was saying a minute ago that this is the one that can run Yasharn in it potentially. And, exactly, it does, yeah. Yeah, and I think that because it has game against Raksak, this is a place that I think more and more people will go to. You know, it's good against Raksak, it's good against Gruel because its creatures yeah. are bigger it's, it's and they come out big on enough. curve. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just a little bit slower and Saltai could eat it alive, but I don't think it, it can't anymore. But I, just, I don't think it really hits the true best decks in the formats, in this format. And so like I think it just changes what a mid-range deck in Historic looks like. So like the value game is different. It's not growth spiral and Uro any longer. Um, but it wasn't that great in the first place. So I'm also like, not it, sure that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. Because I mean, growth spiral is good. Re- people s- and people still want to get to Nissa. Yes. Like, you know, Krasis, Nissa, um, Elder Garagoroth, uh, Vor- Vorinclex. 
and a main deck full of removal spells. So like Extinction Event and Eliminate Piles and, and even Faithless Suiting and, and main deck Thought Seizes, I think that's enough ways to stall out a game too until you get to Nyssa or Vorinclex or Gargaroth. I mean, there's, there's just a really big Uro-shaped hole in this deck. And I don't know if Historic has the card pool to fill that in. And I'm curious what like mid-range looks like. I'm, I'm, I hope that it's good. I think, I mean, we have the Arcanist style strategy. I think it's kind of like the default mid-long value engine deck now. And I, I think that's fine. I think that's a, that's a cool deck. Yeah, the only things I would add there, going back and forth on goblins a little bit, you know, on the one hand, I felt like Sultai started to prey on goblins because of all that removal and main deck sweepers. But I'm also not even convinced that goblins can keep up with historic right now just because the only thing that i think is good about goblins is when you're able to actually land a muxus that hits and i'm just not seeing goblins put up the type of results that it used to both in my own hands and as well as the general results i see on goldfish for a bunch of historic events and then basically to echo shane's point like this green white company deck i play it a lot especially when i'm on arcanist and maybe that's when I notice it the most because what is what's the one one white the one one white witch card one white white spirit oh skyclave apparition Thank you. yeah apparition just hoses the arcanist deck so much because it answers Kroxa. it deals with all of the creatures really elegantly so yeah card is just super good I mean it's poised to become even more important in modern I think. And it's really good and historic. It's going to become even more important and historic as well. So, I mean, you pair that together with Luminarch Aspirant to get things bigger and Yasharn and like all that. Kind of, I, I think that deck is really good. It's probably, it's a deck that I've been putting off crafting for a long time. And I think now is the time for me to get it, even though I have Raksak because I'd like to have some game against Raksak on Arena. So, I think the real issue is how prevalent will control decks be because i still don't think that this deck can put a clock down that's fast enough to deal with wraths and removal spells and bounce spells and counter spells because just the speed at which that deck operates just a little bit slower than the most aggressive decks so you know what that usually company means. you're gonna lose you think company's too slow for control oh yeah i think green white company is likely too too slow for control if control's good enough to beat to win company's just a big counter target so I don't know what uh, looking at the bottom six cards of your library is going to help you do against control decks. Explain the joke. Why are we looking at the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because they run. Because they run. Um, Coco. Because they run cage. Because Coco always whiffs. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Coco oh yeah. Whiffs. Oh yeah. Because you put them back on the bottom. Yep. Yeah. Oh god, it sure does. This joke didn't land. <laughs> it's still good. A for effort. Yeah. The A and aspiring spike. We're all about jokes that don't land here, so it's all good. Yeah. I'm 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 hopeful. I mean, like the real thing is I think we have to wait and see on historic uh what's gonna happen there. I think the format's still pretty good. I think it's pretty top heavy. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful that more will happen with there with it. No one cares about the decks that me just loving a deck, but I don't think this affects auras one way or the other, honestly. So it's just kind of like it's probably still the same deck it was right now. Uh, I, I think Auras is, is good against Control for whatever that's yeah. worth. And so if Control decks somehow are able to beat the Sacrifice decks and this Green, White, and Gruel deck and like maybe Cyborg for Goblins, maybe like main deck a bunch of Tails in for Goblins, maybe Auras is, is, is in a good spot. We will see. It's been decent still, um, but um, 
sacrifice is going to be a problem for that if it goes that yeah. way. Yeah. Okay, pioneer. Yeah, like it's like yeah. does it does it matter? Does it matter what's good? I mean, what do, um, what do we think our dark horse is to be good in pioneer? Like, what are you excited to try out again, Everett? The green horse with <laughs> mono green planeswalkers forever. I mean, that that was that was like one of the best decks, and didn't get touched, and everything else around it got touched. My my favorite deck in Pioneer has always been Mono Blue Devotion with Leyland of Anticipation. Yeah, that deck sweet. I love that deck so much, and um, I think like the last two times Pioneer's gotten a shakeup, I've played like a league and gone two three and uh, not continued, and I'll, I'll probably do that again. Um, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like I want to want to play Pioneer. Mm-hmm. There are decks in Pioneer I have liked in the past. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't currently really want to play it. And I, I hope that that changes, but that's just not, just not where I'm at at the moment, I guess. I think if you like creature based games and just sort of like, you know, traditional sort of magic, then I think Pioneer is pretty solid. Um, you know, if, when, when you cut off the 35% of the metagame in the single ban announcement, all the other decks like spirits, burn, mono black, mono black vampires, auras, feather. That's all the stuff that's going to fill in the void of this meta. And I'm curious, like you know, I'm of course like you, like oh, let's just play mono green planeswalkers. That deck already rules. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that I think that one of the things that can, in my opinion, prey on that deck is aggression. And so we have a we have a bunch of aggressive decks ready to come in. And and try to stomp on planeswalkers before planeswalkers can get set up. So you should play Elder Gargaroth in your main deck if you're worried about an aggressive metagame. Yeah, as that, your that, that, well, that card resolves. It's just like any yeah. aggress any creature deck is just like well poop. Yeah. What, what do I do now? So that's my recommendation to the planeswalkers <laughs> players in the in the chat. You know. Yeah. So that's like that's like my my way of saying like winner. My I think the loser is ultimately might be planeswalkers because it's going to have a target on its back. And like winners is like everything else because everything else is just going to sort of fill in the gaps. I will say as far as everything else goes, Feather has been getting some reasonable results lately in the Pioneer Challenges. And so, you know, it's a deck that has Swift Spear in it. It's the type of deck I like to play. And um, yeah, that deck is cool. I think it's that good. And cool. I think that there's a chance that it'll get better without Uro being around anymore to mess with it and all those other all the other cards. So um, I think there's a chance that that could come back. And then other than that, like, like I said earlier, I would really love to see some kind of red mid rangey deck come back. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but um, something of the chunky like variety. Yeah. I'm, I always like spirits in this, in this format too. I think the spirits deck is very close to the same cards that are in modern, or at least cards that are so close to being the same that it's good. I mean, obviously it doesn't have Aether Vile, stuff like that, but um, I think spirits is always positioned to be like right there in pioneer. So I could see that happening as well. Maybe a gold span dragon is better than glory bringer. And can, you know, if you want to play a red uh, aggressive deck, maybe play, Goldspan Dragon, the one that attacks. And makes These guys tokens. are not believing in that card, and I had that on our spoiler episode, Everts. Oh, that that card that card is Nissa and Safari Hero of Dominaria. The more I think about it, it's just the three mana. You, you said to have something to do with that mana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, same same thing for Nissa and Safari. You got to have something to do with the mana. But when you do, it's great. You know, when your five drop costs three, it's just yeah. Those are the best five drops ever printed. So 
I, I, I do believe in, in the card. And it can also be a one drop, right? If if somehow you have a four mana instant and your opponent targets your Goldspan Dragon with removal spell and you have commit to memory or cryptic command, there's that's it's I guess they won't I guess sorry that's not necessarily true because they'll kill it before you attack with it. Unless they kill it on their turn with a sorcery speed removal spell. They're, they're just like a lot of upside. Stan, you looked like I was attacking you there for a minute, but you did not look like Goldspan Dragon, am I right? Well, maybe not in the spoilers, but then when LFC's... Oh, uh, yeah. uh, is it Control deck and Standard popped off, I, I crafted the Goldspans in Arena because I had the rest of the deck <laughs> and had a ball with that for a few weeks. Oh, there you go. So now I kind of like it. Okay. Goldspan you- plus Negate feels really cool. Yes. Like, just crazy yeah. cool. Stan, I, f- I felt that you have always been the person who's who's dabbled in Pioneer uh, next to me. What are you thinking about Pioneer, though, before we close this section out? I, I, this is going to be the Stanislav parody account hour, but I think Insol is back. Just because one of the problems... Another is, aggressive deck. Exactly, with, yeah. 5-5 yeah. with Indestructibles, really good. You have, you have some main deck interaction, and so I did a few Pioneer FNMs with the dive down nation and the worst deck that i would always face off was just anything with uro because uro would stall that and it would make it really hard for you to close after a really explosive start so i think without uro if there's nothing else in the format that can like stall the board by gaining that much life uh, i think in soul could be at the top of tier two and note safari is a big deal too since like they just balance your dark still citadel that's also true uh and then the last thing i'll point out is pioneer is like the only format that I have not noticed elves adopt new cards from Kaldheim. And we're even seeing elves in modern. The modern champs had an elves deck in the top 32. Oh yeah, elves is good. I, I don't think we've talked about that at all, but I've, I've been playing it a, a little bit off stream and having fun. Elves is just a, a playable deck, I think, with uh, Warmaster, or is it Warcaller? The Warmaster, War- Elvish Warmaster, Warmaster. And yeah. then Realmwalker. Realmwalker yeah. is the truth. Realmwalker just like snowballs like crazy. I think Pioneer is missing some of the mana engines that yeah, we have in modern. Yeah. No Arts Druid or Heritage Druid is like a big loss. Yeah, I, I wonder if Marwin the Nurturer can like maybe help fill that gap. But my point my point is basically in Pioneer, I just think a turn two Steel Ave champion deck that has Warmaster that can eventually then flood the board with a bunch of tokens and then pump them without having to play like end race forerunners could be a shell for elves in this format i i also noticed the last pioneer league had a uh, mono blue deck that costs all of three tickets that trophied what <laughs> the only card in it that costs a ticket is or er, basically the aether gust in the sideboard wow what was in this deck was it like like tempest gin style mono blue kind of stuff tempest gin c dash octopus spectral sailor it was just the historic kind of deck that's great i have been playing that deck in historic lately still and, and having fun with it same yeah. so frustrating to face down sometimes yeah when yeah. they when they have a good hand <laughs> you just can't do anything they have <laughs> counter spells every turn they're drawing like three cards a turn i just can't believe there's a there's a counter spell that's legitimate because it has a pirate <laughs> pirate attacks yeah pirate pirate beak <laughs> pirate leak uh so okay so we've gone through the formats we got our winners and losers here here's what i would like to ask we were going to do this as a wind down before but i don't want to i don't want to put in a break here what do you guys think about the fact that a lot of the decks that we just rattled off were our favorite 
decks. Like we see possibilities for our favorite decks right now. Mm-hmm. It just feels like that's some bias or do you just think it's kind of like, while wow, we see a lot of possibilities in all these formats right now because of what just happened. What do you think? Probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You know, you start to like a deck because at some point it's good, you know? Nobody, I think it's pretty rare to ever like a deck because it's, you, you never win a game with it. And, you know, it, it, we're not, we don't play chess, you know? We don't play chess. You get attached to decks, you like them. It's, it is hard to remove that bias forever. You know, a wise man once said on Twitter, yes, viewer, the Uro band does make your pet deck better. <laughs> Yeah, that was my official. That was funny. I forgot that he said that, but yeah, yeah I forgot you said that. I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I kind of like the fact that we're all kind of like, hey, you can do the things that you like again now, at least for the next couple of months, and we'll see what happens. It doesn't feel like there's mm-hmm. anything else coming from. I mean, look, Kaldheim messed a bunch of stuff up that we didn't quite think was going to mess it up as bad as it was, as it did. You know, like the. Uh, I think we all knew that you could cascade into Valky. I don't think we we all quite realized what was going to happen in the metagame because you could cascade into Valky. But with that being over, for example, it does feel like there's not a, other surprises lurking in that set. So we might have some time to do the stuff that we like to do. And hopefully with Uro being gone, the decks that play answers will have to become more creative and so that means that there'll be more possibilities for people to do other things. And I feel like that applies across a lot of formats. I've always thought it was good when uh, mid-range and control decks can choose to beat anything, but not everything. And so you can gear your answers towards any specific archetype or deck for a given weekend, but you can't beat Eldrazi Tron and Hammer Time and Shadow and Oops All Spells and Blue Red Storm and Dredge. You know, you get to pick what you want to beat on a weekend, and you can't beat all of it. And I think that that's what modern is going to look like. And I think that that's a good thing. So the reason we had this episode is because of a big, massive shakeup in all of our favorite formats. But I feel like we need to just take a minute to kind of talk about why this keeps happening. Yeah. Because because we're getting we're both getting a little callous to bands, but also just yearning for them every three months, it feels like. It's kind of brutal. It's, 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 I wonder how long that it's going to go on without actually losing the, the casual spike. You know what I mean? I think there, I think the casual spike is perhaps at most risk here, right? In terms of losing interest in magic. One, because uh, uh, their, their incomes or their livelihoods or their, their entire social circle, you know, not that every competitive player is, is like that, but I think a lot of competitive players, a lot is wrapped up in being a competitive player. And the, the casual spike, I think is someone who likes being able to, to maybe spend some cash, build a collection play a few different decks, maybe get good at, you know, really good at one deck or foil out their deck. And all of a sudden Simeon spirit guide is printed and you lose your, 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 all of your foil ad nauseum. And you're like, well, what do I do now? Like, do I move into something else? Like, do I try to get good at something else? And I think that there is a, a, a type of player that engages in the game in a certain way that won't put up with the semi, you know, quote unquote, rotating, non-rotating formats that we have, we have dedicated this podcast to. Um, and that's a concern for me for sure is like, why does this keep happening? And is it something that Watsy cares about avoiding? And is it need to be avoided? Or is this just kind of the way we need to think about the game right now? So 
for my part, I fall a little bit into like the latter thing that you said there. Because I think realistically what we're experiencing right now is the transition between two different eras of card design occurring and two different eras of philosophy coming from Watsi about how the game should be. And there's lots of motivations for how they're thinking it should be, uh, for why they're making this decision. But this idea of how can we reduce some of the variance in magic is what we're experiencing over and over and over again with a lot of these bands, right? It's like the London Mulligan is a, is a contributor to this whole thing because it makes us being able to draw our cards more consistent. Overall, it makes it feel like there's more more games when you do that, but it leads to things that are bad being extra bad. Additionally, double face cards are things that are supposed to help people get through variants. So they have more games because you get to choose which size you want to cast. So you still feel like you're doing something. You know, all of these cards are sort of like them trying to reduce variants in the game a little bit. I don't even think they're trying to reduce it a lot. They're just trying to make it feel like there are less things where someone literally doesn't get to do anything. And paradoxically, when those cards interact with older formats, it creates more situations where people don't get to do anything because of the different philosophies of the rules at the, at the different points in time. And I, you know, I think it's going to keep happening for a bit, especially when you look at modern. Um, I think that there are just rules that are powerful and rules that will be exploited by the new card designs that they want to do. And if they have to go through and keep cleaning it up, I hope they do. Because I do think that ultimately the goal of making more games feel like fun games is the right, fun interactive games, I should say, is the right place to be. And it's probably more appealing to a broader set of people than just doing really powerful stuff. Fun, interactive, replayable, and exciting. <laughs> um, I think you put it super well, Dave. I think you did a, you did a great job. I think you did a great job. Is that what fire stands for, Everett? Fun, interactive, replayable, and exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fire. Yeah. Wow, that's why I laughed. It's like people people rally against fire design, but I think the the fundamentals of what they're actually going for is good, right? Yeah, I I will say the last two years have been my favorite years of Magic. I know that's maybe not a popular opinion. And maybe I'm biased because I've had a ton of fun over on Twitch. But I've really, really liked Magic the last two years. And, like, things need to change sometimes. And we go through ban lists. And it feels so bad to have your deck banned. And I've had I've had decks banned. It's a kind of rite of passage. Um, and it, it, things have not been perfect. But they've been fun, at least for me. And I know fun is subjective. And ultimately, at the end of the day... That's what matters to me is magic is still fun. And I think everybody needs to figure out what matters to them in the game. If that's fun, what does fun mean to them? And I'll say that while there have been a lot of design mistakes, I've been really happy with how Wizards has cultivated specifically the modern ban list in the last two years. I think they've done, I think every announcement since the looting, like starting with the looting ban and the Stoneforge unban, I've liked every every part of every decision that's been made. Some of them have been maybe a little slow, but I've been a big fan of how they've cultivated the ban list. And I think that mistakes are just going to happen. That's going to be part of the game. That's like just the nature of the type of game that we're into. And I think just hoping that Wizards can rectify the mistake with bans and keep the, the game 
fun and flowing is about all you can hope for. Um, I think hoping for perfection as far as design goes is just not, it's not something that's going to happen. And you, you can definitely hope that they do better and I hope that they learn from their mistakes and uh, that's what I do hope. But I think a lot of players have like unreasonable expectations. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, the, this, all of this is through the filter of endless content now right like everybody in magic is a content creator like it's part of being a player now is to have some platform where you put content out there as well for people to share like whatever um and so it's an endless discussion as well about how close how if they did a good job or not and like you know when i started playing in revised we went to Usenet and there were like a hundred other people to talk to in the country. And that was it. And people published incredible articles even back then, but there wasn't this constant churn of like, is something wrong? We did something wrong. Instant feedback. It's happening immediately. Like that's just the world that we live in right now. And so we're, we're feeling that as part of magic as well. So, um, you know, I hope that, um, people do, recognize that they're trying to do something with these formats with these bands and i think it's gonna be good and, and magic lost the gathering you know we lost half of the game which was hanging out with your friends and having a good time and you know those moments oftentimes i think offset the feel bad moments that came from unbalanced metagames um and so i i, I agree with what dave is saying that right now the lens of like how healthy this format is how fun is just it, it's more magnified than it has been in the past and um i i feel like that's probably playing some contribution to not how the design is going or how fun the games are but maybe more so like public perception towards what the formats are like yeah uh spike i would even maybe rewind your frame of reference for when modern started on this good path a little bit I'll rewind it back a little to when they unbanned Jace and Bloodbraid Elf. Mm. Like, like I think that was a great unban too that contributed to Modern's overall healthy development. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I agree. But And like also, I think they're fine with bands being the way they curate the format rather than doing it in the design process where they have to be beholden to so many stakeholders because, and this is going to sound super cynical, but I, I mean it, I'm coming at this from a place of acceptance. I don't think they care that much about like week to week tournament play when they're printing money and the game from a sales perspective for a toy company hasn't suffered. And we know that because of investor calls and stuff that foresight's like spills on streams. Like if they're still able to maintain such a devoted audience, that's so ready and willing and even rejoices when they correct their mistakes, I think they haven't really done permanent damage. And and I think that speaks to the quality of the game at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it does. But I think they also know that they're playing with fire when they make too many mistakes. Because, like, look at what happened to the modern leagues on Magic Online in the last two weeks. They went from 1,200 people. A new set comes out. 1,200 people are in the leagues at the end of the last season. Super excited. And then as soon as Tybalt gets unlocked, 600 people in the leagues, 650 people, like half the people just disappear. And so I think they recognize that there are ramifications for their actions too. So they care because they care about the whales, meaning the people who spend the most money on the game. But um, I think that they're willing to increase those error bars a little bit more than they were 
five, eight years ago. And that's that's the era that we live in right now. Well, I, I don't really know who we're talking about when we say they, you know what I mean? Because I, I do think that there are like corporate executives over at Hasbro who who don't care and who uh, they, they really do care all about the amount of money that things bring in. But I do think that the people in charge of the band decisions and in, part, in charge of the car design are almost exclusively cultivated for people who love magic and old professional players and car designers and Mark Rosewater and Ian Duke. And, you know, they, the, the play design team is just full of people who love magic and have, like, you know, left better jobs because they love the game. And so I think that it's less of a callousness from the people who are making a lot of these decisions and more of the fact that they have so many different people working to solve the same problems and different opinions and different focus and new things come up and they happen so quickly. And I would say that it's more of just, um, it takes time to process with that many different smart people rather than a, a, a vague, they pulling all the strings, you know? Yeah. And I, I will say like, I, I mean, that extends all the way to like the senior leaders of the, the magic mm. team like Aaron Forsyth you know I I was at a PTQ with him in like 1999 you know what I mean like before he went to Wizards and it was like he and Randy Bueller and Eric Lauer were at a table like Rochester drafting after the whole thing like before any of them ended up at Watsy like these are people who care even though Aaron is tough on Twitter, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then I, the funny thing with me about the suits at Hasbro, like, I don't know how much of it, maybe we're going to cut some of this from the podcast, but like the suits, I don't think understand, like the people who are really behind the money part of, of Hasbro's goals, they probably don't understand magic enough to understand the impact that these yeah. decisions are having like gameplay wise either way. Like, so what they want to know is that people are making more money off of it. And like, that's kind of their job. So it's like Aaron and Eric's like those folks responsibility to like protect the game. And they have for a long time. They've been there for a long time. So Dave, this sounds like uh, someone with creative experience inside a larger organization. Speaking from experience, I mean, you know, you know how it works. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of like the, in, in my opinion, most of like the mismanaging as far as magic goes comes from these executive decisions that that like honestly seem clearly made by people who don't care about the game like the decision to cut gp coverage the decision to like got the pro tour purse the decision to restructure the pro tour i think was uh you, you know made in honestly just like arbitrarily by the new president of uh the magic the gathering i can't remember his name but i i i really do think like those have been in my opinion the the decisions to be the most critical of by wizards of the coast that have felt the most detached from the player base and detached from the game but i i personally don't feel like the card design and band decisions have felt that way to me for a long time but that, that's just my take everybody's got their own opinion and we are so grateful that you are here to provide your takes tonight, <laughs> yeah. ever. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. On episode 112, an episode many said we would never get to. Yeah, 100, they were like, 112, not a chance. <laughs> Those guys? <laughs> 111 tops. Okay, that wraps up this week's show. Everett, thanks again. Everett, where can people find you, though? They can't. I'm, un I'm currently, currently unavailable. <laughs> no plug this time. No plug this time. Twitch.tv slash Aspiring Spike. Hold my calls. I'm happy to be on here. I love you guys. Give me a good thing to do on my weeknights when it's snowing on te in Texas. Listeners, people of the earth, if you haven't yet, 
Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. Sometimes Everett's on them. Sometimes we have other guests and bonus episodes. Bare minimum, you get Stan, Dave, and Shane, three best friends from the Midwest. We've known each other their whole lives, and we'll stick together till the end. Or at least episode 113. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast, pick our brain up. You know, the suits at Hasbro. You can find us on Twitter at the dive down, all one word. You can even email us, the dive down at gmail.com. You can support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also support the show with a Mana Trader subscription. If you sign up for Mana Traders using promo code the dive down, all one word, you'll get 15% off your first three months of renting Magic Online cards. The one other way to support the show, except just sending us cash directly in an envelope, is by downloading the Untapped Arena Tracker for free over at untapped.thedivedown.com. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and be a spy!